I'm making sweet potato fries. All right. Hell yeah. Anything special about them? So I have seasoned them with a mixture of salt, black pepper, paprika, and then garlic powder. And then if anyone wants to add something else to it, there is also cinnamon available. And you can turn it into something that's more more of like a dessert kind of little little taste to it all right the more you know the more you know the more you know uh let's just get into it guys if you're ready yeah sure all right welcome to please be excited episode 16 my name is john today again (laughs) same same people same people (laughs) repeat (laughs) yes um like groundhog day yeah we got Chad, brother Chad, brother Jimbo. Um, and how you guys doing? How you guys feeling? Uh, do you want an honest answer, or do you want <laughs> you can give you can give an honest answer? If listeners of the podcast are not aware, we live in Florida, which is now spiking with COVID yeah. cases and maybe the next epicenter of the virus. Yeah, I'm not feeling great about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm I'm thinking about that. Yeah, it's been on my mind uh, a lot, especially having a trip coming up in yeah less than two weeks. Yeah, tell us about your trip. Uh, I'm going to see Grace. Going to see the love of my life. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, flying. Well, if nothing gets uh, canceled or changed because my layover, I have a like an almost four-hour layover in New York City, um, and the governor has been talking about, you know restrictions as far as like florida travelers go so yeah yeah so i don't know what's happening with that hopefully uh things end up working my way uh anyways did you guys <laughs> I, just real, a, real life. I just had a random thought in my head uh-huh. um <laughs> did you guys see that thing from like two months ago now um, whenever Andrew Cuomo was like, you know, gaining attention in the national spotlight, then people, <laughs> people that like pulled up pictures of him in like tight t-shirts and they're like, does he have nipple piercings? <laughs> I have not seen that. <laughs> it kind of looks like it does. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, yeah. man. It's 2020. He, it's, he, hey, man. He can do whatever he wants in terms of uh, body modification. Exactly. That's how it should be. All governors. Yeah, all governors. Uh, frankly, I would prefer them all to have nipple yeah. piercings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, people, people say free the nipple. I say you got to pierce the nipple. <laughs> pierce, pierce, hashtag pierce the nip. <laughs> all right are you guys ready to get in the news yeah sure 
All right. Um, jumping into news. I, this is like some older stuff, some newer stuff because we old news and new news. Yeah, old news, new news because we did the um, uh, what's it, the PlayStation episode where we didn't cover any news outside of the PlayStation event. Yeah. Um. All right. So jumping into it. Uh, this got me really excited, but the Cowboy Bebop live action show, oh yeah, um, starring John Cho, is uh finally getting back into production, uh-huh. um, because he I forget if it was his I think it might have been like his arm or something I can't for I can't remember what injury he had but he like broke something <laughs> uh-huh. during production which was supposed to be like a six month delay and then that would have I think that would have ended in like March or something, but then COVID stuff happened, so Right. Um so that got pushed back, but they're finally starting up production again on that. Um but I was reading about it and they like they already have a couple episodes uh finished filming. Like they have I think they said they have like three episodes totally finished and like cut they just have to do the visual effects for it and all that which is really exciting um and they like the writers talked about it and then whoever i can't remember who reported on it but they talked about like having seen the episodes and saying that they were really good yeah Um, and something i didn't know was um jeff pinkner i don't know if you guys remember who that is nope uh, he he worked on he was a writer on um lost and then he was like a executive producer like a showrunner on fringe mm-hmm. um for a couple seasons anyways he i didn't know that he was like one of the main writers on cowboy bebop and uh he was just talking about the season and then season two he said that they it's not like picked up for season two but he said that they've already started writing scripts for season two cool uh which is cool because i think they're doing like eight episodes for the first season um that sounds like a good amount yeah uh i don't know i i'm really getting excited for this actually yeah Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the Cowboy Bebop Netflix show. Um, I think the only person who I know is on it is John Cho, but uh, I mean, I'm interested to see how it turns out. I don't know. Yeah. Is there, is there any info on like episode numbers, like how many they're making? He just said eight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was making yeah. sweet potato fries. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was <laughs> No, I think I think it's eight for the first season, um, and comment. and yeah, they haven't been picked up for another season, but they're already writing season two. Okay, um, but they they did in the uh, in the piece. Oh, God, I can't remember who it was. I feel bad saying that, but just like I, they talked about the season and like the episodes that they've seen, and um, Jeff Pinkner talked about it. Um, but they're just saying how it like has to, you know, have that feeling of Cowboy Bebop, but it being like an hour long drama kind of thing is going to give them 
uh, you know, the leeway to like explore and flesh out um, the episodes from the original series and possibly write, you know, original episodes and original content and that kind of stuff, which I'm, I don't know, I'm really excited for, especially if they like nail the tone and the characters and having that world expanded more um because i know uh shinny shinichiro shinny shinichiro you nailed it watanabe shinichiro watanabe <laughs> um my man is like he's involved he's an executive producer on it and they've talked about having him like heavily involved in it um so i don't know if he has input into it and if they you know get the characters right then that's also exciting um getting more material with those characters um yeah if you if you're a listener and you haven't watched cowboy bebop go watch it right now it's uh (laughs) it's like one of the best anime shows ever made it's one of my favorite shows period ever made um i think it's i think it's streaming on hulu it's been streaming on hulu for like a couple of years now uh watch it in english watch the english dub (laughs) um all right next piece of news we got is uh Steve McQueen. I don't know if you guys saw this. Steve McQueen has a a five part anthology film series that he's making for uh, the BBC. No, no. yeah, I uh, I forget where it's based. It's in, I think it's in London somewhere, but it's like a. I'm pretty sure it's like one neighborhood or something based over a, like a decade or I, I forget the exact details, but it was supposed to be like a five part series. Um, but it ended up like a five part, you know, one hour series. Um, but it ended up being like feature film length stuff. So like some, one thing will be like an hour long and then like you know other parts will be like two hours and um anyways it's it's supposed to be focused on like a a black community in london i think mm-hmm. and it's called small acts which is i guess from a bob marley line um which was i think it was if you if you are the big tree then we are the small axe or something like that Hmm, um but um but yeah it's a five-part series um and varying length like feature length uh stuff um i'm not i think it's supposed to come out in the fall uh I had no idea this was being made. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Because I knew, like, I knew he had, you know, various HBO stuff in the works, and then I think some of that fell through and didn't happen. Um, anyways, really cool. If you haven't seen Steve McQueen movies, you should go watch them. Uh, 
He's made what hunger, shame, twelve years a slave, uh, widows. Have you guys seen Widows? No, not yet. No. Oh my god, Widows is so fucking good. Um, <laughs> it was gonna be on the uh, the Reign of Fire episode we did. I was gonna talk about Widows because <laughs> we because we were doing like the underrated, underseen movie stuff. Um, and I had just watched Widows, and oh my god, that movie's amazing! It's like, uh, oh boy, it's um, written by Gillian Flynn, uh, the writer of Gone Girl, right? And it's about these, uh, it's a heist movie, and it's about these widows of um these like career criminals and it's uh god what's his name liam neeson and like john barenthal and um some other actors i don't recognize but basically it's about all of their widows and them taking on the burden like the debt that they owed or you know that they like ripped off people and now they're after the widows for the money yeah and uh, Viola Davis is the lead, and then there's like Michelle Rodriguez and um, Cynthia Arivo. The uh, what's her name in The Outsider? Holly Gibney. Oh, really? Yeah, she's she's in there. Um, uh, there's a lot of people. Colin Farrell's in there. Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is in there. Um, anyways, it's like, it's just one of those movies that feels like everybody, everybody missed. And, uh, it was on HBO a couple months ago and I watched it and it's so, so good. Um, I kind of feel like it just came out at the wrong time where there were a couple of things that had like a similar premise, but were like way shittier. Yeah. Um, what was that? Like money heist. And then there were some shows on TV that were like, like I think that one called Claws or something, where it's like the female gangsters take over. Oh, yeah, yeah. I kind remember. of the wrong vibe for me at the time, because it seemed like that was a little bit of like a cliche kind of, yeah, not, not a great like uh, premise. And don't they have that? Is it Bad Girls Club or whatever uh, <laughs> woman yeah. from Mad Men is on? Sure. Oh, I know what you're talking. I don't know the name of the show. The I'm not, I'm not Christina saying. Hendricks show? Yeah, Christina Hendricks is one of like three, and I think it's three women that get involved in crime and stuff. It's, and I'm, yeah, I'm they, not it's... saying anything against these shows. I haven't seen them. No, I, have, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it has, yeah, it has Christina Hendricks and then the, what's her name from Parks and Rec? I forget the actress's name, uh, but she's in there. Retta? Yeah, Retta. Okay. Um, anyways, yeah. Uh, Widows is amazing. Totally underseen movie. Um, if, I mean, if you like want to watch a really good heist movie that focuses a lot on character, it's so good. Um, all right, <laughs> moving on to the next piece of news. Um, Johan Rink or Rink Rink, uh, 
He di- I guess he directed the Chernobyl miniseries. Oh, okay. Um, but he was announced as the uh, like the pilot director for The Last of Us HBO TV show. Right, right, right. Um, which is also being you know written and produced by the Chernobyl writers and producers. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I'm really excited for that. The part two, Last of Us two, finally came out what yesterday. Something like that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying to play it. I'm not gonna play it because I don't like play video games these days for whatever <laughs> reason. But I, I am excited to watch uh, different streamers and stuff go through it that I follow. That's kind of how I experience video games these days. Yeah, watch different people on YouTube. So yeah, I have a couple of those in my uh, queue to watch. I really, I really want to see that game like play out. Yeah, I I haven't finished uh, the first game. I'm going. I have it downloaded. Um, and I got like I got a couple hours into it both times I've played it. But I'm trying to over the next like week. I want to like buckle down and finish the first game before I get the second game. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid all all of the spoilers and discussion around that um but man i'm so excited for that show like did you watch chernobyl no i know you watched it yeah and you said it was so good and you kept telling us all to watch it yeah yeah uh no i didn't watch it um i'll get to it (laughs) good shit um david fincher's next movie is coming out is supposed to come out in october on netflix um which is it's called mank uh mank i guess uh oh yeah you you talked about it before it's like the writer guy yeah it's the it's the writer i forget his first name (laughs) but it's mankowitz uh and he he wrote citizen kane and like maybe two other movies that were like huge Oscar movies and then he had like a big career as a screenwriter Um, but yeah I think Gary Oldman is playing uh, the main character and then it has a big cast that I can't remember everybody but uh, Amanda Seyfried is in it Um, and she was talking there's a piece of an interview recently of her saying you know how detail oriented Fincher is Mm -hmm. um, and that they like shot the same scene over an entire week doing like 200 takes (laughs) but yeah there's a I'm not I'm not entirely sure what the story is it says it like follows his his career but like focuses a lot on i guess the tension between him and um orson wells because orson wells was like very controlling and not super uh i guess lenient or like willing to work with others and like give them actual credit because he was such an auteur kind of person. Yeah, um, like, you know, I'm having a really big personality. 
right? Yeah. So I guess so I guess it was like a huge feud uh over years of this guy wanting and like trying to get the credit for writing Citizen Kane and like being a big infl- like a having a voice and like actually writing that and creating the movie um and having that creative influence over it uh anyways that's supposed to come out in october um eric roth the uh screenwriter was on some podcast talking about it but he was saying that um that david fincher actually like shot it like a 1930s film and said that it looks like a 1930s film so i'm really interested interested to see what that looks like yeah maybe um, it looked like the lighthouse or something yeah I'm, I'm wondering like you know what's the aspect ratio gonna be is it gonna be black black and white um what what lenses did he dig up what, what <laughs> lens? no but I'm, I'm really curious about you know the what's the lighting gonna look like what are the sets gonna look like yeah uh, anyways that's that's really interesting to me um yeah um i was (laughs) i wrote this down because we were supposed to record like last week over the past couple days whatever um but the i was gonna mention the watchman tv show the hbo tv show this weekend this is gonna be published on monday now (laughs) but it's been streaming over the weekend Hopefully, people saw that. I posted about it, I think, on both accounts that I had. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the best shows ever for me. Yeah. Uh, if you have not watched the Watchmen HBO TV show, strongly advise you go watch that. Yeah. Um, it's very relevant show. Uh, like, I mean, it, it came out last year, like October 2019, and it was relevant then. It's, oh, God. I don't know if you guys want to say anything about it, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, way more relevant now, just the way things have gone with, with uh, things, you know, that have long been, you know, simmering under the surface, I guess, for the majority of people who are, you know, I guess tuned in to a lot of things, you know, that Damon Lindelof is, was tuned into, like myself included, you know, not realizing the, you know, the scope of these things going on right now have just kind of all been brought to the surface again, you know, in a way they haven't been in a really long time. And, uh, yeah, that show kind of, it was uh, very prescient, even though it was only a couple months ago or whatever. And it, you know, it seemed it seemed like it was maybe a little bit, I don't know, reaching or like preaching. But yeah, now the way things are going now, just and you start realizing just how real some of these things are are like have been and are becoming i'm kind of 
being vague, but I think most people know what I'm talking about with like racial tension and yeah. the history yeah. of the country and you know, treatment of black people and yeah, how everything is still there today in more subtle ways, but still, you know, like it only takes a couple things to, you know, light fucking match and everything explodes because it's all still there you know like yeah i don't know what else to say but it's super good show i mean i i don't have a problem admitting that i didn't know about the tulsa massacre until i watched yeah watchmen so i had no idea about that part of american history and i think watchmen really kind of brilliantly weaves in actual history with this kind of really far-fetched like it's a comic book show like it's a superhero show and some of it is incredibly outlandish but then like the the history of america racial tension all of that is incredibly real and helps to ground the show and you can see a version of our society like leading to something like watchmen in maybe five or ten years where you have like a the police force i mean especially with all of the backlash against the police right now which we don't need to go like too much into for this podcast but the cops on watchmen have to wear masks and protect their identities because people start targeting them and attacking them and that's a conflict that's going on right now and it's highlighted more than it has been in a long time so yeah it hits on all these things that are currently happening in america and then it ties it into like hundreds of years of history in the country yeah um it like the show the show literally starts with the black wall street tulsa massacre yeah um, which was was that a hundred years ago or like just about just about a hundred years ago something like that um, i guess like 18 19 I don't remember, but close to 100 years ago. You mean 1919? Yeah, 19. Yeah, that's what I'm, I meant yeah. yeah, like 1918. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, it yeah focuses a lot on uh, systemic racism. And it, it another interesting thing for me is um, with the Watchmen TV show is like, I mean, just the kind of just i'm i guess the the like the racism whatever you want to call it whether you know um uh, blanking on the right word to say but just i i guess like over racism and you know like people you know like what's been accepted over the years of like oh that's you know low key or like high key over kind of stuff within like the comic book industry or um just media in general and um there's there's a huge backlash towards the tv show watchmen because it has a black female lead character because it's focusing on topics like white supremacy and um and their place in like law enforcement and government and racism in law enforcement and government um and the oppression of black people over generations. Um, and there's a great 
great episode. Is it, is it episode six? Um, which is this extraordinary being? Yeah. Uh, which is like, her. yeah, it's a it's a flashback episode. Um, which like it takes place mostly in the 1930s through the 40s, I guess. Um, but I I don't I don't want to spoil it, but it gets into. Uh, it just gets in. It gets into everything that we've talked about here with white supremacy and systemic uh, racism and everything that's kind of just been boiling under the country and yeah. all that for generations from the beginning of the foundation of police and slave patrols and all of that. Um, yeah. Basically, that's that's it. Go watch Watchmen. It's an amazing TV show. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on from that, uh, I've got a couple more things. Um, did you guys watch those trailers that I sent in the group chat? Yeah, I did. I okay. I, I didn't. I didn't know if you had any specifically you wanted to mention, but I definitely wanted to mention uh the rental trailer yeah i mean maybe just bring up each one that you want to and then i'll try and remember which one oh boy i don't i don't really i don't remember a lot of i remember like the the rental and then oh boy what was the kevin Uh, bacon one called what the kevin bacon one uh I shit. I don't remember the name. Think, I think you should have left or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like okay. That. Uh yeah. That one I think that movie came out this weekend, like for VOD um oh, cool. rental stuff. Cool. But that looks that looks really good to me as this like small uh contained thriller. Um Yeah. It kinda kinda looked to me like you know maybe a somewhat traditional haunted house thing, but then uh, it, it also reminded me of that movie, What Lies Beneath. <laughs> yeah. I was was it that. Harrison Ford in there? Yeah, yeah Harrison Ford. Yeah, Lord. this thing of like, you know, super buried, uh, like memories uh, sort of manifesting, you know, in strange ways. And you have an unreliable uh, protagonist where, or an unreliable narrator kind of thing where, you're not sure if he's guilty of these things and they're kind of coming up to the surface in these uh, spooky ways. But that's kind of, that's the vibe I got from it. And I mean, it's cool to see Kevin Bacon still out there doing interesting stuff here and there. Yeah. Um, God, I can't remember what I was watching the other day. I was watching some... Oh, I was watching one of those uh, YouTube channels. I think I mentioned it on a previous episode the in praise of shadows right one anyways they're talking about the uh tremors the tremors franchise (laughs) yeah and it's just yeah it was crazy thinking about how varied uh kevin bacon's career has been and he's like he's he's such a great actor yeah um i don't know it feels like he just I don't know if he hasn't been in a lot of stuff or he just like has picked smaller stuff or what. 
Yeah, I think he's just been selective throughout the years and picks things that he's interested in. Yeah. Um, but this this movie that we're talking about, I <laughs> I think you should have left. I'm pretty sure. I'm 90% sure that's the name of it. It might just be you should have left. Another. You should have left. Okay. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, close enough. But it's like he has a a younger wife and a, a child, and they move into a new house, or is it an old house or something? Yeah, um, I don't know. But like like you were saying with uh, what lies beneath, it definitely reminded me of that because there's some kind of secret yeah. that he's keeping, and um, and it seems like it's a haunted house thing. So I don't know. Maybe he's killed somebody in the past, and it seemed like he. Yeah, maybe murdered, like, his ex-wife or something like that. But, um, yeah, and then they had, I forget what actor it is, but um, was it the guy from all the Guy Ritchie movies and stuff? And uh, the little dude in, um, in, uh, what the fuck, what was it? (laughs) The gentleman, the, like, the famous, the big reporter guy. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. (laughs) Anyway, he, he was, like, I don't know if he was a real estate agent for this house that Kevin Bacon bought or something like that, but he seemed like almost an otherworldly figure where he was like, the right people find this house or it finds them. Like, basically, he knows that the house was like uh, spooky and weird. And maybe he also knew that Kevin Bacon was like guilty of something and was setting him up. I don't know. That's the vibe I got from it. But yeah. It kind of seemed almost like a David Lynch character, this like otherworldly, uh, spooky. That's the vibe I got from like the two seconds. Yeah. Of a minute, but. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think it's out for rental now. I'm definitely interested in it, so I'm hopefully going to watch it over the next week. Yeah. Um, and then the the rental was the other one that I really wanted to bring up. Um. Jimbo, did you watch the trailer for that? I didn't watch any of the trailers yet. Okay, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the rental was... I don't know if you saw, Chad, that Dave Franco directed it. Um, It's the one that's like the Airbnb thing with the two couples. Yeah. um, Anyways, it's Dave Franco's debut as a director oh wow i didn't know that um good for him yeah good for him little franco little franco little franco um but yeah it's about these two couples who go to this like airbnb place and then uh crap who's playing the couples it's uh it's dan stevens and allison brie and then the i know it's the actor from that shameless show i don't know his name yeah Uh, and then I forget who his girlfriend is. But um, yeah, Dan Stevens, Allison Brie, two couples staying at this Airbnb place, and the owner turns out to be this creep, psycho person. Oh, um, yeah, the guy from uh, Carnival, right? Yeah, yeah, he's and from then, uh, Carnival and Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, he's amazing in Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, he's so good. He's, he's this great character actor who like pops up in tv shows all the time he's in um i think he's in season three of glow uh as like the the airplane guy starts yeah okay 
Yeah, he's in there. Um, he, yeah, I don't know his name, but he's such a good actor. Yeah. Um, but he's yeah, this like psycho guy who's terrorizing these couples and like starts. It looks like over the course of one night, kind of like hunts them and starts killing them or something. As you do. Um, as you do. But it really reminded me of uh, Green Room, like the tone. Yeah. And this, and just the setting of like having a contained setting and, you know, cut off from the rest of the world and yeah. um, being hunted like that definitely felt like Green Room. Um, I think that comes out next month. That comes out uh, July 24th. Um, but yeah, looks looks like such a good thriller movie uh i don't know if it's been screened anywhere if it has reviews yet but it just looks really good hey by the way did you ever watch the uh dan stevens uh cult island horror movie what was that called oh no um shoot (laughs) starts with an a maybe oh i know what you're talking about (laughs) i haven't watched it anyway that's Uh, good y'all should watch that the, the raid director yeah, the guy who directed the raid. Oh, okay. Dan Steven goes to a fucked up cult island to rescue his sister. Apostle. Apostle, yeah. It's really, really good and gnarly. It's got uh, Michael Sheen, right? What is it on? Yeah, I think it's Netflix. It's Yeah, it's a Netflix movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks really good. I never watched it, though. Um... All right, jumping to the next thing we got was uh, just really quickly want to mention um, there's, I don't know if you guys saw this, the DC fan fandom is what it's called. DC fandom event, which is in August. That's a terrible uh, name. It is a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like a virtual comic con kind of thing. Uh, where they're going to have, you know, trailers for new movies, announcements for new movies, and then, you know, TV shows and comics, if you care about that stuff. But I don't. Uh, there's, there's supposed to be, there's supposed to be like a Batman panel with Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson. Oh, and, cool. and then like all the other DC movies that are in production. Um, don't, don't care, but yeah, I do care about Batman. Anyways, that's in, that's in August. So I figured I would mention it. Um, I didn't, I didn't know about this, but I guess Guillermo del Toro is finally making that Pinocchio movie, uh, the stop motion Pinocchio movie that he's been wanting to make for years. And I'll believe it when I see the movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> when um, I buy the ticket, when I'm in the theater. <laughs> yeah. Ewan McGregor, this is coming from Ewan McGregor saying that he, is like mostly finished recording voiceover for it. Oh. Um, and then he just has to do like a song or two or something like that. Uh, anyways, I had, I didn't know this was even being made, but I guess yeah. it's a Netflix movie. that's going to be stop motion. Pinocchio. Damn. I didn't directed, know that. directed by Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> All right. Um, oh man. Yeah. I, I just kind of realized like, you know, all, all these movies and stuff that had to halt production, it's like stop motion could, I guess, keep going, like, because it's only a couple people at the studio yeah, at a time, right? And also, like, other animated stuff. I mean, if they're able to, 
if those people are able to work well enough from home, I don't know if they are, but yeah, I just kind of, I didn't even think about that. Those people could still be working like more than uh, live action people. Yeah. Um, doesn't Wes Anderson have another, I don't know if he has another stop motion movie. I feel like he did have another. Making the Great Mouse Detective. Yeah, yeah he's making the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> um uh jumping ahead to cyberpunk 27 2077 being delayed again oh again um yeah it got pushed i think from like october to november or something um so it's late november now but uh june 25th they're supposed to do like a big blowout with uh journalists like finally being able you know to talk about it and share video footage and um all that so we'll finally see more from cyberpunk 2077 but they got pushed back a couple months um and then we had pokemon snap being announced for the switch hell (laughs) yeah which is amazing uh Oh, God. It's like 20 years in the making. It's the news we needed. It is the news we needed. Yeah. Um, Man, I wonder if people listening to this know what Pokemon Snap is. You guys want to talk about the original? (laughs) Uh, It's a weird little N64 game that came out where you photograph Pokemon. And it's uh, amazing. It's, yeah, it's... It was made for the Nintendo 64 like 20 years ago. Uh, I forget what the setup is, but you're it's an on-rails game where you're just like in a cart yeah. and you're a photographer like going along this track and you just like you turn from left to right basically taking pictures of the different Pokemon who like pop out from behind bushes and yeah. Um, and then I think you have, don't you have stuff that you can like throw to them or yeah, something? You, to, like, like, you like throw apples to get them to do stuff. Yeah. To, uh, there's a couple other things. You, can, you just you throw shit at Pokemon and yeah. sometimes it hits them in the face and they <laughs> react. Yeah. Different things. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're just trying to get pictures of these different Pokemon uh, over the course of the map and like uh, get. I guess get points or like collect them in the database uh, by getting pictures of them. Uh, it's so it's a lot of fun. It's more fun than it sounds like. Yeah. Um, I think on the Switch and like having 400 new Pokemon uh, and like new locations will be a really good thing for it. People are going to uh, think hours like so much time into that because there are so many Pokemon now. Yeah, I, I wonder how big it's going to be, how many they're going to include, because, you know, the original only had, it was a pretty limited amount, I don't know, maybe like 50 total or something like that, but... Um, it didn't do all 151? I don't think so, oh, it was okay. only like, what, six levels or something? Yeah, like, there's not much to But, uh, yeah, and then I, I wonder how they're going to do it with, like, the on-rails, are you going to be able to move around, or, like, be a little drone thing, or what, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm excited for it. I don't know if I don't think they announced a date for it. Right? No, they just said it's in development and it's like super early. I think so. Okay. Um, 
And then the most most recent news that I had, because like I said, I was compiling news from two weeks, um, was uh, Edgar Wright got announced to direct another movie. I don't know if you guys saw this. Nope. Um, it's called The Chain. Mm-hmm. And it is... I forget if it's based on a book or if it's based on a movie or like a, a short story or something, but it's it's about um, a kidnapping and then the parents of the child who has been kidnapped are forced to then go kidnap another child or else their kid will be killed. Oh boy. So it's called the chain because it's a, a chain link of crimes of these parents who have to kidnap other kids or else their kid will be killed. The uh, um, kidnapping pyramid scheme. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's yeah, not really heavy for an Edgar Wright movie. I know that's what I thought. Yeah, I don't know how I, I don't. You can't really make that a fun movie. Or can yeah, you maybe? Uh, <laughs> and then, kind of related to Edgar Wright, Joe Cornish news. Um, Joe Cornish and John Boyega, I guess, are talking about making uh, Attack the Block Two, Ooh, which is pretty cool because they like they've had. They've had ideas since the first Attack the Block movie came out. If you haven't seen Attack the Block, go watch it. Really good. Uh, it was great. Kind of small little self-contained action. Not exactly horror, but like sci-fi action, thriller. Yeah. Um. Anyways, really, really good movie. Like Stranger Things before Stranger Things. Yeah, kind of. But maybe more of an edge to it though yeah definitely yeah um but yeah they i guess they've been talking recently about making attack the block too because john boyega is super passionate about that character and finally making a sequel so i guess they really want to make that happen um i gotta go use the bathroom real bad if you guys just want to talk amongst yourselves for a minute uh sure all right all right guys go 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 uh uh hey what's your what's your favorite episode of uh cowboy bebop my favorite episode of cowboy bebop should i pick one from like the main storyline with spike or favorite kind of standalone episode that's okay favorite my favorite all right this is easy for me I don't remember the episode number, but my favorite individual episode of Cowboy Bebop. I guess. You can guess. Is it Sympathy for the Devil? No. Oh. It's a good guess. It's a good one. But it's, uh, I'm not going to, I don't know, I'm not going to pronounce it right. Pierre LaFau? Oh, yeah. Like Mad Pierre? Yeah, it's a good one. Okay. So in this episode of Cowboy Bebop, Spike Spiegel, one of the main characters, I think he's just playing pool or something in a bar. And then as he's leaving in the opening, he runs into this uh, assassin that's totally disconnected from anything going on with Spike. It's just his bad luck to run into this this assassin as he kills, like wipes out a whole 
group of people, like bodyguards and the guy that he was targeting. And then Spike gets in a fight with this assassin and uh, he almost dies in this encounter, but he's able to kind of like dive into the water and escape for the time being. But the whole thing with this assassin is that he never lets anyone get away. Like he always gets his person. He always like kills everyone. So there's no witnesses. So now Spike becomes his prey and he's just being like tracked down. Uh, this guy has to kill Spike because Spike saw him and he's also completely insane. He was part of this government experiment to create the perfect killer and the perfect assassin. And as a result of that, he was brainwashed. He was given all this kind of like technology that gives him insane powers. Like he can do a force field kind of thing to protect himself from bullets and projectiles. And as a result of this brainwashing and this government program uh, and experimentation, his mind like warps and regresses. So he's basically like a child. So he's as this childlike personality, but he's a total psychopath and like mass murderer. And it ends up in one of the coolest like settings and showdowns in all of Cowboy Bebop because Spike gets invited to this like abandoned amusement park. And that's where he has this final showdown with this assassin. And so they're like going through all the different rides on this amusement park. And it's really over the top cartoony and creepy, like Disney as a creepy kind of version of a theme park. And it's, yeah, it's just one of the best standoffs because Spike is such a good fighter and he's so well-trained that usually he's up to the challenge with anyone that he faces off with on the show. But this is one of the few cases where he's really outmatched like the whole time and you really feel like like he's gonna die he's like totally like outgunned by this dude and it's this great like cat and mouse game the whole episode and it just has a really cool storyline and kind of vibe to it hell yeah all right i was definitely gonna name that my favorite oh really yeah that's amazing (laughs) john what's your favorite real quick uh well he he took um, I will say sympathy for the devil. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I guessed was going to be Jimbo's. <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, I like Corolla Fowl, uh, sympathy for the devil. And then maybe for like a comedy episode, I'll, I'll skip over a ballad. Is it ballad for fallen angels? Ballad of fallen angels. Ballad of fallen angels. I'll skip over that. That's an amazing episode. Um, But Cowboy Funk is like my favorite comedy episode of Cowboy Bebop with... um, The Bounty Hunters? That's the one with... uh, Is it Andy the Cowboy? Cowboy Andy? Yeah. Um, God, that's such a good episode. And it's like the... This terrorist is... Teddy Bomber is his name. (laughs) 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 And he wears like... uh, I forget if he just if he leaves bombs in like a teddy bear thing or I know he ends up wearing a teddy bear costume at some point. Um, but anyways, it's this guy who's like bombing buildings and corporations and uh, stuff. So he's this terrorist who's being hunted by the Bebop crew, and, <laughs> and Spike is kind of doing it all on his own, and. Um, 
and then there's this this other bounty hunter called Cowboy Andy, who, who rides on a horse, and he kind of looks like Spike, but he's blonde, and he's like chewing on on a on a weed kind of thing. Oh God, what's it called? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, he's this cowboy figure, and he's like the worst bounty hunter there is. <laughs> so he mistakes. Destruction in his wake everywhere he goes. Yeah, he yeah. he mistakes Spike for the terrorist like every single time because Spike is hunting the terrorist and he's at the event at the scene of the crime, um, and he's just like this super nonchalant, cool cowboy figure. But yeah, like you said, he just leaves a huge, uh, like a path of destruction <laughs> everywhere he goes. He's like. Uh... Snyder Superman. <laughs> oh god, that's a good one. That'll get us some listeners. A reference. Um, Chad, did you already say your favorite episode? No, no, I, I don't think I could pick. But um, man, I was just thinking about the Pierre one. Like, I think one of the things I love the most about Cowboy Bebop is how it, like, just super subtly drips in like the backstory and like just hints at things like um like the way spike beats him is because uh i think if i'm remembering correctly it's because uh pierre i can't remember if he sees a cat or if he looks into spike's eye mm-hmm and- like one of his eyes is like weird like a cat's eye yeah and then you see this i i think i'm remembering this correctly like i think spike has like this super brief like cut in memory of like being operated on and his eye being replaced am i i don't know if i'm imagining this i think you're i think you're linking two different episodes when you talk about that Maybe because but... sympathy for the devil has that thing where Spike like imagines himself lying on like an operating table. Yeah, but like it almost hints that like Spike was maybe experimented on or something, or like had an eye replaced and it's a weird eye. But it's so subtle, yeah. and that's like it's. It also reminds me of the uh, sympathy for the devil, not sympathy for the devil. What is it? Ballad of Fallen Angels. Oh yeah, Ballad. Mm-hmm. You know the. The best scene in the whole thing for me is the falling out of the church window um, montage with the song. Yeah. And that's like, like, that's like the only time you see Spike's backstory is just in that flash as he's falling of like him and Vicious and the mafia and then the stuff with the Julia lady and all that. I just love the way, not just in that, but in anything, whenever like backstory from characters is shown in that way where it's like intrusive memories or like mm-hmm. it's like as the character is getting those flashes um, yeah. in these like intense moments and then it's it's things that are so buried under the surface in their normal life that maybe it's something they don't even like talk about or tell anyone or that we see as the audience but you just get these moments where it also happens in the movie uh, You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix of um, 
yeah, just this really nuanced, like subtle way of getting into the character's mind. Um, there's another one I was thinking of. Like, I think Manchester by the Sea does that too. Yeah. Like a dream sequence that he has and stuff. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, all right, if you guys are ready to move on. Yeah. Chad, you picked this last, not last week, two weeks ago now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were doing the remake that movie game. Yeah. Which I totally blanked on having a third pick, and mm-hmm. you threw out <laughs> the Indiana Jones 5 pitch. Yeah. So this week, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yep. Uh, who wants to go first on this? Uh, I, mean, I think Chad should have to go first because Chad's been <laughs> Chad's been delaying it every single week, so yeah, he goes last. And then he has to go first. True. All right. Uh, so I don't have much, uh, but I'll start with one joke answer, and then I have more of a slightly more serious answer. <laughs> <laughs> or idea okay so who so who would be interesting to see go on these adventures uh <laughs> around the world as a similar like uh time time period vibe is uh michael Sarah's character from twin peaks <laughs> <laughs> wally i just want to see him going around like exploring uh you know, ancient ruins and womanizing oh and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, but here's my slightly more real answer because this is okay. the best I could come up with. Yeah. Instead of Indiana Jones having a son, <laughs> there's already a character established in an older movie that was like his protege. Uh huh. You feel me? Yeah, I feel you. I, I think I see. Okay, so I think it would be interesting to see where Short Round is. Oh boy! In the world. Oh boy! Like after uh, Crystal Skull. Yeah, I'm, I'm into this. So you Keep take going. Harrison Ford, the age he is now, and if that's like in the '60s or the '70s, whatever that would be. I don't know. What would that be like? The '60s. 1960s something like that sure in the indiana jones timeline like yeah. if the crystal skull was like 1950s cold yeah. war yeah. and that was like 10 15 years ago the movie something like that anyway okay but short round he wasn't squeaky clean he wasn't a goody two shoes all right he was a pickpocket he was a little rapscallion and if he after he went on his adventures with uh, Mr. Jones, with Dr. Jones, and then Dr. Jones split back to America, did his own thing. I think short round, he's up to some trouble. He's in some kind of gang. I don't know what country he's from, if he's like Vietnamese, if he's Korean. That's my own ignorance. But what if he's in like the triads? Okay. He's a gangster. And somehow, Indiana Jones g- 
goes on some quest and he encounters current short round and then he's like instead of Shia LaBeouf is my um you know person like my son figure you have short round be like the reluctant I don't know they have like father son history and issues he's like hey man you're in the wrong line of business you need to you need to do my job you need to go save the relics and he like brings him he brings him out of the the life and uh gives him the hat and they <laughs> they go find atlantis and uh there you go that's all right that's all. I'm, I'm all about bringing short round back that's all i got like the younger oh and it's adventure. uh it's uh steven young Okay. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Atlantis. Alright. Uh all right, I like it. Jimbo, do you want to do yours or do you wanna give Chris's pitch first? I'll give Chris's first. Okay. And then do you wanna go or do you Sure, wanna... I'll yeah, you give Chris's and then I'll go. Okay. Chris's is really well thought out. I'm just going to read what he sent me. Yeah. This is like an actual movie that uh, like could really get made. All right. So Indy 5 pitch, she even has a title. It's Indiana Jones in the Eye of the Pyramid. Ooh. Your main character, your protagonist, is Ryan Gosling. He's a nerdy international yeah. professor of archaeology. He's currently in Amsterdam or something. That's where he starts off in the movie. Uh, the kind of overall villain of the film uh, are the Illuminati. So that's the organization. Of course. And their connections to the Nazis and then ancient gods or aliens and a quest for world domination. So it's this like centuries long kind of quest by the Illuminati for like immortality or whatever. Uh, The kind of like female main character is, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but Lupita Nyong'o? Nyong'o? Nyong'o, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So she steals something from the Illuminati, and Christoph Waltz is kind of like the lead figure representing them. He's like the one pulling the strings in the background. Lupita is part of the IJF, which is the Indiana Jones Foundation, (laughs) and it's a whole group that recruits young archaeologists and kind of treasure hunters and they try to track down and recover important artifacts and, like, safekeeping uh, in museums. So I guess at some point, Indiana Jones had this foundation in his name and is making, like, a concentrated effort to get people to recover these artifacts instead of him just doing it by himself the whole time. It is a globe-trotting movie. They go all over the place. Uh, Turkey, they end up in Egypt at some point. The kind of the, the secrets with the pyramids is revealed, and the pyramids are actually like giant resurrection machines. That's what they were used for, is like reviving people and immortality. And so the eye of the pyramid, I guess it's one specific pyramid that they end up at. Uh, the eye of the pyramid is an observation machine that was put there by aliens or gods uh, to watch over humans and then judge, like, their worthiness of being resurrected or, like, joining the afterlife and becoming immortal. 
So it kind of ties into like the Egyptian process of the afterlife too, which is a cool connection. Uh, Christoph Waltz is kind of the, the mastermind, but his like physical threat that he sends is Vin Diesel. So Vin Diesel is the well-dressed henchman assassin of the Illuminati, and he's kind of hunting uh, everyone down throughout the movie. It's uh, it's set in modern day. Ryan Gosling is not related to Indiana Jones, so no kind of like bloodline connection there. Right. At some point in the movie, he happens to pick up the, the bomber jacket and fedora through funny circumstances, which have not been defined. Uh, Harrison Ford can have a supporting role as like a cranky old professor. <laughs> but if it's modern day, like the actual Indiana Jones would have been dead by that point. But Harrison Ford could still just like have a role, like a cameo kind of thing. Hologram. Maybe a hologram. Maybe you meet him in the afterlife or something. Whoa. Because Indiana Jones could have been judged worthy by the aliens to join them. That's me throwing that in there. I don't want to take over Chris's movie. But anyway, the director is Edgar Wright. Because Edgar Wright can do that balance of like homage and originality. A good blend of comedy and action. Clever dialogue. Human moments. He can also have Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. For like cameo or smaller roles. And so Chris even gives two roles for, for their characters. So Nick Frost plays a guy that's like the dude from Ancient Aliens with the crazy hair. Uh, uh, Giorgio, whatever his name is. Sucolos. Sucolos. Yeah, so that's like a Nick, Nick Frost's character. Uh, he goes along with them and he's convinced that everything is aliens. So he's promoting that viewpoint throughout the whole movie. And then Simon Pegg is kind of like his opposite or counterpart, and he's like really straight-laced, nerdy, sounds like he's kind of a non-believer, um, but he helps them uncover like historical documents and stuff like that. And maybe they get caught up in the whole journey, or maybe they just show up briefly, I don't know, uh, but they are potential cast members for this movie. Indiana Jones in the Eye of the Pyramid. Hell yeah. All right, yeah. Next whole movie. A lot okay. of good stuff in there, man. Good ideas. Yeah, sweet. All right. Oh. <laughs> not, not what I was expecting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a, oh, man. Total reboot. All right. I'm into it. Yeah, I'm into it. I would watch that. Sounds good. It's, I mean, it's well thought out. Yeah. For, the, for just that pitch, yeah. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, you want to go? Mine mine is not that thought <laughs> out. <laughs> um, okay. So my Indiana Jones 5 pitch is a continuation of the series, not a reboot. Um, I would... I would bring back Indy, Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. Uh, I'm I'm absolutely bringing back Shia LaBeouf. Hell yeah! Yes, uh, bringing back Marion Ravenwood. Sure. Um, oh God, what's his name? Jim Jim Broadbent. Uh, 
the oh. dean from the fourth movie he's back sure and some and some minor capacity maybe just like one scene i don't know sure uh and then <laughs> it's funny that you you brought back a short round in your pitch because i was like hell yeah short round yeah coming. man because I was like, all right, I'm going to bring back Salah and Short Round. And then Ooh, <laughs> we got uh, what's this? John Reese Davies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I couldn't, I couldn't totally nail down details. Like, I don't have it as nailed down as Chris does. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had some ideas. Like, I want to bring back Short Round and Salah. Um yeah. And then, yeah, and then, you know, John Hurt passed away a couple of years ago, so Ox oh. is, Harold Oxley, the character is dead in this. Hologram. Hologram. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't come up with a title for it. I couldn't, like, I couldn't come up with a title I was satisfied with, but... Uh, it's set in the early 1970s, mm-hmm. and it would be Indiana Jones is still married and happy, uh, having a happy, you know, uh, not not adventuring life with Marion Ravenwood. Uh, he's still a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mutt, Shia LaBeouf's character, Henry Jones III, um, he's kind of taken taken over as like the adventurer guy who's out, you know, collecting artifacts and doing stuff like that with uh, Salah mm-hmm. and other various characters. Short Round is not short rounds a surprise okay <laughs> you don't uh, you don't know that he knows short round but it's one of his connections and it's something that would be revealed later and it's like you know hey dad hey dad i know this guy he says he knows you and then it's short round all right <laughs> that kind of thing uh, um anyways so the mcguffin the whole setup is Indiana Jones has gotten into has like fallen into this quiet life, this peaceful life with Marion. Um, his son Shia LaBeouf is out there adventuring, and he doesn't really know what's happening with him. Um, Indiana Jones is still teaching; that's kind of all he does now. Uh, but also i didn't i didn't have a chance to go like deep dive through history <laughs> for the 70s <laughs> so i don't know how i don't know the political turmoil that was happening exactly in the early 70s um but i wanted to get into uh i wanted to get into like the neo nazi movement Sure. And I want to, because I was like, who, you know, who would be a good villain for this? Um, I wanted to, I wanted to bring in neo-Nazis and I wanted to bring in like the CIA. 
Okay. Because I, I just felt like in four, they kind of got into it with, I think, like the FBI agents um, who were like interrogating him after the thing with the Russians at Area 51. Yeah. And kind of and kind of getting into like the American government, you know, as like, you know, becoming fascist and, mm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to have like a CIA agent character, and then I wanted to have like some neo-Nazi stuff and connect the neo-Nazi stuff to like old Nazi stuff. Um, and have that related back to like the artifacts that you know Hitler was obsessed with and create uh, collecting, not creating um, over the years. Yeah. Anyways, that was my that was my thought process um, as far as like villains go and antagonists. Uh, but the MacGuffin would be. <laughs> would be the like the seven trumpets uh that signal you know the apocalypse (laughs) so so yeah so i was looking through like like artifacts and yeah so like myth mythological artifacts and stuff and i was like you know that sounds kind of cool um landing on like the seven trumpets and like they each have an event that uh, corresponds to the sounding of the trumpet. Mm. Um, so I was thinking, like, Indy is, you know, living the quiet, peaceful life. His son is off adventuring, making those connections, collecting artifacts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's, like, there's racial tension and stuff boiling with the neo-Nazi movement. Um, and, like, just you know, political tension and, uh, and the government kind of becoming more fascist and all that stuff. And then, um, but then there would be these events, these like worldwide events, you know, all over the place of, uh, God, I forget exactly what the, (laughs) what there's like a different event for each seven, uh, trumpets, but like, there's like, hail and fire and blood falling to the earth and then there's um something something else that happens there's but, a, but play, plague and famine and losing your firstborn and uh... <laughs> but the the idea was there's like several of these events have happened and uh Shia LaBeouf his son has like come back and he's he's like hey this stuff might actually be real. Like it's in the Bible. It's, um, it's, these events are happening. Do you think they're, you know, uh, do they, do you think they line up with what it says in the Bible and, um, all that anyway. So, so it kind of like tugs at Indy feeling like he's missing out on the adventuring life and, um, he has to get back out there, but then like, he's the most knowledgeable about all of this stuff. So anyways, it would be, it would be him and, uh, his son, Shia LaBeouf and, um, Salah. And then like short round would at some point get 
caught up in things because mm-hmm. it's going to be like a globe trotting thing. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking like short round. I don't, I don't know why, but I was thinking like short round, uh, you know, driving the car in Temple of Doom uh, yeah. with like the blocks on his feet. And I was like, all right, short, short rounds got a, got an auto body shop kind of thing. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe short rounds got a daughter. Cause I looked at the actor, he's like 50 years old. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so I was like, maybe he's got a daughter character and she's tagged along in the adventure, all this stuff. Um, so anyways, it would be like, Indiana Jones and his son and maybe short round. Uh, And then there's like the CIA character who's like hunting them. And then there's like a neo-Nazi connected to like old Nazi movement who's trying to collect these trumpets and bring about the Armageddon, uh, the apocalypse (laughs) and everything. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of all I've had. Uh, Spielberg would return to direct. I don't know who would write it. Uh, Math- Matthew Good would be the CIA character. Sure. Uh, Christian Bale would be the neo-Nazi. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about as far as I got because I was trying to like I I got into like breaking act by act and I I. I couldn't do that. No, um, man, that's awesome though. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah, I just I thought I just thought it could be like preventing, you know, the apocalypse and and one thing I wanted to get back to was like um like Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh The Last Crusade, you know, were both I guess like Christian yeah. mythology religion stuff yeah. um and i just felt like you know after kingdom of the crystal school that could be like a cool return to uh christian religion kind of uh mythology stuff um yeah i was trying to think of stuff to do with that but i couldn't really i was trying to think of i don't know like tower of babel or yeah different like uh, items or symbols or whatever but yeah i couldn't really think of anything so i just went with atlantis hell yeah atlantis is a good that's a perfect indiana jones movie yeah but uh that's a huge yeah that's like an incredible thing to be searching for so atlantis is good no but there's a lot of powerful uh cultural stuff with the stuff you were talking about like you know how like neo-nazis um that actually exist in like the present day yeah your world is like uh you know how they're still like um you know people who fought in world world war ii against the nazis who were like what the fuck are you guys trying to do in america trying to you know what I mean? So you have Indiana Jones like kind of do that where he's like, "Thank you." What the hell are you trying to do? Exactly, this is my whole here. thought process. I was like, yeah. "I was like, I fucking beat you thirty years ago. What are you yeah, doing?" Exactly, exactly. Like I was thinking that because it's like relevant to today, but yeah. also at the time it was like a movement. Yeah, and then, like, uh, and then, and then, 
the stuff with like the the FBI and like the Red Scare, like of us trying to uh, kind of becoming fascist to, um, I guess avoid becoming communist or whatever. Yeah, everybody's scared about that. Of like America, yeah, kind of going down a dark road, and then you have Indiana Jones being like, "What the hell are you trying to do with America yeah. turning us into?" Yes. <laughs> I just imagine that moment in the no. movie where he's like, what the hell are you trying? I thought about those exact moments when I was going yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, um, great moments. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's all I was able to figure out. Uh, I've totally forgot Shia LaBeouf's character was named Mutt. Was it Mutt or Mud? I think it was Mutt. Yeah. Mutt? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Indiana was named after their family dog, and now his son is named Mutt. He has a dog. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Jimbo, you got you got a pitch. All right. I don't. It's not as specific as some of the other ones. Uh, It's more of just like the concept. I think is really cool. And this one, this one's going like throwing a, a curve on everything we've been talking about and this one would probably like piss a lot of people off and be really controversial so i'm excited to to pitch it (laughs) all right so it's a reboot it's like doing something new with the indiana jones name like with the franchise and indiana jones is played by michael b jordan Oh, yeah. It's Black Indiana Jones. Hell yeah. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit more about this. So I wanted someone that is a great actor, but also it's still kind of like a younger adventurer. I don't really want to have like the older like Indiana Jones type figure. So this is him like in his prime as an adventurer. And I don't think I want it to be modern day. It could still be like 70s or 80s or something, uh, but still hit on a lot of important issues like racial tension that's still going on. But I kind of like a bit of a retro feel, like having it be kind of set in a different time period. Uh, I think that's cool. The main actress is, I, I picked the actress from The Outsider like Cynthia Erivo, just because mm-hmm. she is amazing and I want to see her in more things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's why I wanted to choose her. I picked uh, Michael J. White from Black Dynamite as kind of like an older mentor figure that he'll run into at some point. Because uh, I, I like that actor. I don't see him in enough stuff. And my original take with this concept is it would be like a black exploitation thing like really kind of shot cheaply down and dirty kind of have like a sense of humor about it. But then I started thinking that I actually wanted to take on like big issues and kind of be like serious in what's going on. So the MacGuffin, like the, the thing that Indiana Jones is going after are these, um, they're like removed biblical texts that would prove that Jesus was a person of color. Like they would prove that Jesus was black. And so, I mean, they were edited, they were locked away, hidden by the Catholic church to preserve kind of like white supremacy and 
promote that idea of Jesus being like a European white looking dude, despite being raised and born in the Middle East. Um, but that's like another topic for a religious podcast. <laughs> but anyway, that's what he's going after are these texts that would prove that Jesus was black. So, I mean, they'll travel to different parts of the world, but it's going to end up like in the Holy land in Jerusalem, the middle mm-hmm. East, a lot of those areas is where everything's going to lead at one point. And I didn't pick, I didn't pick a specific actor or actress for a villain, but the overall kind of force that's pursuing Indiana Jones and trying to stop him is the Catholic church and their kind of (laughs) their secret orders and secret assassins and uh, protectors. And the cool thing about that idea is that your, your villains, like your henchmen are totally devoted and it's like blind faith that they're following. So nothing is going to stop them uh, from like killing Indiana Jones, uh, stopping him from doing that, like finding uh, the pages of this text and the the consequences of that, of finding these pages, like finding these texts, would be huge because it would completely undo like over a thousand years of Christian teaching, the whole image of Christ that we've had for so long would be totally like um, subverted in doing that. And it would be, that would completely change kind of just how we view an entire religion and like the whole kind of race and power dynamics behind it. So I thought that the stakes were high enough for that. And then for the director, it's an adventure movie. And with Michael B. Jordan as the lead, I went with uh, the Black Panther director, uh, Ryan Coogler, who's also directed Michael B. Jordan in like three other movies. So I thought just pairing them together would be like a really good idea. And when you watch Black Panther, it's a superhero movie, but it's also like this is an adventure movie for like black characters and these people. Like this is kind of a a cool adventure movie. So I chose him as the director. Those are like the two or three cast members that I had in mind. And that's... uh, uh, the plot of the movie. All right, that sounds awesome. Black Indiana Jones. Hell yeah. I would watch that. Hell yeah. But no, that's that's an interesting idea of like what you do with that franchise going forward that's not just like a straight up adventure, it's more like discovering cover-ups in history. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. I like that. And yeah, I really like the idea of the Catholic Church being the new, like, <laughs> villain. Like, like the Vatican is full of, yeah, the people trying to protect the image of the church and all this. That's, I really like that. Um, getting topical here, boys. Getting topical. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it just works. Like, the idea works, too. So, dope. Dope, dope, awesome. Uh, good, good round, good session. Yeah, that was I think a good if session. we take all of our ideas and we combine them, we'll have like the best movie <laughs> ever. So. <laughs> um, did you guys want to get into? Because we don't have a lot of time 
yeah. you know, the stupid recording stuff. I didn't know if you guys wanted to get into everything that we've been watching or if you maybe want to stop recording and record another episode or take or just record another day. What are you guys feeling? Uh, so we're at almost 90 minutes. And then so what is it cut off? At? Two hours is the so cutoff. So is that 30 minutes? Yeah. Um... I don't think I have too much to say about what I've been watching and stuff, so I could probably fit it in um, in not too much time. I don't know how much stuff you have or wherever. Uh, I, I mean, I can probably manage fitting stuff in. Mm. What if we each just pick, like, two or three things, like, five minutes each? Yeah, let's go. We could, yeah, we could squeeze stuff in. We got it. All right, squeeze it in. Squeeze it in. Squeeze it in real tight. <laughs> Let's go. That's, that's, starting. that's my motto in life. Um, I don't know. I, I could start, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, what have I been watching? Uh, me and Jimbo watched the Middle Ditch and Schwartz uh, oh, man. Uh, improvised thing on Netflix, which is amazing. I actually watched it before Jimbo and then rewatched it because I wanted to like experience that with somebody because <laughs> it's so like crazy how good they are at creating everything. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know how much I have to say about it. Just that everybody should go check it out. Um, yeah, and then uh, I've been slowly rewatching Hannibal, Ooh, which is yeah. also amazing. Again, we do like a deep dive on another episode. Um, yeah. Talk about Hannibal, but yeah, it's crazy how good it is, straight from the beginning, the first episode, and like, and how much it covers in such a short amount of time. Yeah, just how stylish and and cerebral and human it is, and it's gorgeous. It's yeah, one of the best amazing. like looking shows yeah. I've seen, especially for a network TV. And then show. it has these like. I don't know. I think of them as like A-list actors in terms of their talent on this, yeah, like uh, network TV show. It's crazy how good the actors are. Um, uh, what else was there? What the fuck? Let me check my list real quick. There's like one other thing. We finished Midnight Gospel. Oh yeah, we finished Midnight Gospel. Uh, did you finish the whole thing, Jonathan? No, I haven't finished oh, it yet. Damn. How many did you watch? Uh, five, I think. Out of, what was there, eight? Eight. Yeah, eight. But yeah, that, like, it's so good. It just kind of, like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything I don't, for you. I don't know if you know how it ends. Um, do you know anything about, like, the later episodes? And how no, it, no, I don't know anything about but Yeah, it's just, stuff. like, you know, some of the most interesting conversations, like, around like Duncan Trussell, you know, um, and then the art direction and everything with Pendleton Ward. It's just, I feel like it's a masterpiece. Like it's such a incredible combination of those two people, Duncan Trussell, just, you know, his whole thing, <laughs> philosophizing in these conversations with these super fascinating people about, yeah, you know, meaning of life and all this spirituality and human experience and all that. Um, 
in these long form things. And then you take Pendleton Ward and his whole team and the guys at Titmouse and what they did with the art direction and the animation that's so free and so it just reaches such such amazing heights with like what you're able to experience like with just being a human being but in this super heightened way of yeah like psychedelic animation sci-fi fantasy surreal bizarre cartoon shit like it's incredible it's a masterpiece and it's like super moving certain episodes here and there and then especially towards the end you'll see why um but yeah i don't know i don't have that much to say beyond that it's just it's a masterpiece to me and it's it's perfectly self-contained like i mean it's not the it doesn't have the biggest narrative like story but it's it like builds on itself episode by episode of you know him exploring like enlightenment and human experience and like confronting death and uh pain and suffering and all that um and yeah it just kind of culminates beautifully towards the end uh yeah somebody else can talk it's it's one of the few shows i've ever seen where you actually feel like anything is possible on this show yeah there don't seem to be like any limitations yeah so it's always kind of surprising what you end up seeing or the conversations they have because most shows have a formula like they have rules that they stick to so it doesn't go too far off where it feels like kind of uncontrolled um but this this show actually like goes into that territory and so i was always i never knew what to expect with each episode and that was fun yeah i also i also like how like it really explores just the topics of like sort of the some of the uglier sides of like human life of just confronting death and then like you know the suffering that comes from like the ego and trying to transcend that and then like disease and uh you know how like just really gross ugly things will happen in in the animation that you know you're you're like i've never seen this like depicted in this way especially not in an animated thing it's usually more for kids um and then like the edgier like animation stuff is more comedy but to see what animation can do whenever it's more aimed at adults um but then it's not like a gross out comedy thing it's more it's more there's more depth to it of what you can explore just with this like imaginative medium of animation and like, yeah, I don't know the heights it reaches in exploring these, these themes and these ideas is I've never seen that before. And it's so new and so refreshing to like, to see that. I don't know how else to get across what I'm trying to say, but I think you guys know from watching it, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Jimbo, did you have some stuff to get into? Movies and shows. I don't know if you want to go first or. Uh, you can go ahead. Okay. So, 
I watch. I'll go with TV shows first. I watched the first episode of The Great on Hulu, like the Catherine the Great. What is the actress's name? Is it Anya? One of the Fannings? Is it Elle Fanning? Elle, yeah, Elle Fanning. Oh, I thought yeah. it was Anya Taylor-Joy. I guess not. The Elle, yeah, Elle Fanning is the lead on that. She's Catherine the Great. And then Nicholas, what's his name, is... Holt? The king, Nicholas Holt is the king. Like, He's the, uh, what's the fuck, the Fury Road, what's his name? In Fury Road. He's one of the, his character the boys. What are they called? Anyway, never mind. <laughs> the boys, that's fine. But those are your two leads. Like, that's the royal couple. Elf Fanning has just been married to... Maybe he's the maybe he's the emperor. I think that's his title. Like, emperor of uh, Russia. And he is just... He's insane, and he's just childlike. He's immature. He's really cruel. Uh, he's like hypersexual he's always humiliating her and all this stuff and it's just it's ridiculous just how much you hate this guy and start rooting against him right away and he's just like a psychopath who's been given way too much power his entire life and he's like kind of reminds me of like just from the trailer of uh caligula i don't know if you i mean that kind of yeah i don't know if you read um what the fuck is that book called? I, Claudius? I, Claudius. Yeah. I didn't read it. I just, yeah, like, know um, bits about Caligula. But, I mean, yeah, that kind of, like, over-the-top, like, self-indulgent ruler, like, the excess. Yeah, whatever you want to compare it to in modern times in whatever country. Um, it's... I only watched the first episode. It was good, but I haven't felt compelled to keep going yet. Usually I like kind of period dramas like that because I do like the detail and the costume and the history. I think that Elle Fanning's character, Catherine, needs needs to wisen up like really fast by episode two or three if I'm going to stick with it because that character is just so naive it's, it's hard to watch for most of the first episode. She's just so innocent and unexpected with everything that's going on around her. Uh, so I was having trouble getting into it, even though the performances were good. Were good. Um, but I might keep up with that. I just started... It's been a few years, but I went back and I started watching uh, season five of Girls, because I never did finish that. And I've I watched two episodes of that on HBO last night. And it's, I think that a lot of like the storylines about friendships and relationships can be really, like really powerful, really dramatic. And I enjoy watching it for that reason. And they're the actors and actresses are giving really good performances and, I know that's where Adam Driver kind of starts out and gets noticed, like, was for his role on that show. And a lot of the people that came out of that show, like, started going on and doing other things. But I was reminded in in those two episodes of why I have a hard time watching it, and it's because all of those characters are horrible people. And I I would not... I was struggling, and I couldn't think of a single one of them I would be friends with in real life. It's it's just watching really selfish people make bad decisions, and it's hard for me to identify with. Uh, but they're still 
parts of it that I like, and I'll probably just go ahead and finish off uh, the last two seasons of it. The show that I really enjoyed and I've been into the whole time in quarantine these past like three months has been The Expanse, which started off as a show on sci-fi and then now with season four it's become an Amazon series. So I finished season four. I'm fully caught up on that. Uh, It's based off of a sci-fi book series. And each one of the books is named after some kind of like god or mythological figure. So it has like those kinds of connections. Uh, If you haven't seen The Expanse, there's like three different major powers at play. And they're always like on the brink of war with each other. And that's Earth, Mars, and then the Belt. Uh, I can't remember the exact year that it's set in. Just like sometime in the future, Mars has broken off and become like an independent um, colony or whatever you want to call it. Uh, So they don't really answer to Earth anymore. They're like trying to be seen as equals. And then the Belt is like all of the space in between Earth and Mars like other colonies, um, I guess other planets even, and they're kind of seen as like the lowest class of those three groups. So it's really cool because each group, like each society is very distinct, like with their language, their clothing, uh, just their demeanor uh, and how they act. So I think that's really well developed. And there's a really kind of like rich backstory and mythology to the show. Uh, but you follow, like, the main group of characters are these, like, three or four uh, friends. They become friends. They start off just as, like, crew members on just, like, a merchant vessel that comes uh, under attack and gets wrapped up in this whole, like, plot line, like, this war between different forces So it puts you in the role of these, like, reluctant figures that get caught up in this larger conflict, and you're following them along just as they try to survive. Uh, So that's really cool. But The Expanse has really good character development throughout the four seasons. Uh, So they're always kind of, like, changing, making decisions that are really tough, uh, and then they face the consequences of that with, like, each other and with other uh, characters that come into play. One thing that's really cool about it is that each episode throws them into, like, the worst circumstances possible, and you have no idea how they're going to get out of it. And it's, like, by a miracle that they somehow survived that episode, but it feels really natural to what's going on in the story, and everything that happens feels earned. Uh, So that's really satisfying whenever you watch it. And then even with the so-called villains of the show, uh, the writers do a really good job kind of fleshing them out and giving them those moments of humanity where you actually start to understand like, oh, that's why they're making these choices. That's what their motivations are. Uh, And it humanizes them a little bit. And I won't spoil like a whole plot line or anything, but uh, one of the main villains is this like trillionaire probably by this point, a scientist and like entrepreneur 
His name is uh, Jules Pierre Mao, and he's played by the the kind of main scientist from Lost. Hmm. Is it Doctor Chang? What whatever he is in Lost, he's one of the, like the Dharma. Oh, yeah. that's in all those videos, like the Asian uh, scientist that yeah. does all their like promo promotional shit. So he's like the big bad in this show. But you start to see moments like throughout the seasons where like, oh, he has a soft spot for um, like the, this kid that reminds him of, of like his own daughter who's kind of like rebellious. And you see that he's playing like a really um, like a long game with his he's experimenting on people like he's he's sacrificing thousands of people to kind of test out his uh, technology, his weaponry, stuff that he's using. But you find out he's doing all of that to fight off like this large kind of alien force that's threatening all of humanity. So it's one of those questions of, are you willing to sacrifice like a smaller number, like thousands of people to save billions of people? Uh, so there are a lot of really interesting moral questions that come up on The Expanse, and I think they're handled in a really like intelligent way. And it's just good casting, good storylines, both in like the individual stories and then the larger kind of arcs that are going on. And I think it's one of the best like sci-fi shows that I've seen in a long time. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I watched. I think I watched the first one or two episodes of that last year um i've really wanted to get back into it but obviously it's on prime now um my (laughs) one big thing i had with this and i don't know um i don't know if you have any comments on it but I, I saw like a clip from season four, I think, um, of the the crew that's like the tight knit crew, you know, that kind of bonds over the seasons, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. My, my problem was, was the people I saw too attractive. Ah. Altogether too attractive. I didn't I, like. I saw there's a guy who's like the bigger buff guy. Yeah. But then he hit. But then he's like a baby face guy, and I was like, get out of here with this. <laughs> I want to see some guy who's ugly as shit. <laughs> some big buff bodybuilder who's like fuck ugly. Get this guy out of my show if you're trying to sell me as he's like the hard, tough dude. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you, <laughs> had any, if you had any thoughts about that or any any problems with that watching the show. I don't have any problems with that. I mean, you you can pick on that with like most of the shows on television. Yeah, yeah. Like we can go back to Lost. With all these oh, yeah. super attractive people that all happened to be <laughs> in plane and landed on this island, like, and every fucking uh, doctor, like, medical show in the history of television, it's like hot hospital doctor shows. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a, it's just a TV problem in general. Yeah. Just, I, well, just a media problem. 
But that, that was I don't know talking that. about is awesome. He's like probably my favorite character on the show. All right, well that was a huge that was a big problem for me. <laughs> but yeah, okay, like everyone being attractive, whatever, not realistic. I, I get that. But the part that you made about like what you said about like the tight knit crew, that's awesome to see because it does not start out that way. Like, in the first episode or two of the show, they don't know each other well, and they're, like, at each other's throats, where they, like, might actually kill each other. And then you see them over four seasons become, like, a well-oiled machine. Like, they instinctively know what the other one is going to do in a situation, and, like, how to cover each person in a firefight or just, like, a fist fight. Um, and you, you see that, like loyalty develop and it feels earned and it takes time to get there where by the time they get to season three and season four they are like a badass group and they Mm -hmm. they know each other's strengths and weaknesses and they know how to complement each other the the buff muscly guy amos like doesn't like the main character at all who becomes like the the captain of their crew and you think they might actually, like, kill each other at several points. But then you get to season three and season four, and he's, like, he knows how to look out, look out for the captain and, like, protect him from things that could, like, hurt him. He knows what his blind spots are, and he kind of makes up for those. So it's really cool to see the crew dynamic develop uh, throughout the seasons. All right, well, it's a show I'm interested in watching once i finally <laughs> get amazon prime back yeah man uh sounds really cool um i don't know i don't really want to get into a lot of stuff that i have been watching i i don't really have a ton to talk about um Maybe you can just shout out a few things for people to like check out like i did if you want um, yeah 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 and if you want to like go more in depth or anything we can keep recording on it on another one or i don't know if you want to wait but yeah it's up to you yeah um first i'll just quickly shout out two music things um the Pay for Pain EP came out. I don't know if you guys listened to it at all. Not, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, it's a former Tiger's Jaw band members. Um, and if you know Wicca Phase, Springs Eternal, uh, one of he's one of the former Tiger's Jaw members. Um, anyways, it's it's them back together recording um i don't know if it's i don't know what to categorize it as but it sounds like tiger's jaw kind of music Uh, so yeah pay for pain uh really good came out a couple days ago um and then i haven't i haven't gotten to listen to it yet i've listened to like singles off of it but the uh phoebe bridgers album the new phoebe bridgers album came out um which is called punisher um oh god what was that project uh the better oblivion community center was the i think the thing that i've played for you jimbo um with connor oberst okay anyways yeah 
Yeah. Uh, and then what was it? Is it Stranger in the Alps? Is the other the, her first album? I don't remember. <laughs> um. Anyways, that's out. I haven't gotten to listen to it yet, but I wanted to shout it out. Um. And then, yeah, movies and TV stuff I actually didn't get to watch a lot of this week. Um, I've been watching more a series of Unfortunate Events with Grace, which continues to be one of my favorite shows, <laughs> um, mostly because of the Patrick Warburton, Lemony Snicket stuff. Um which is just so, so well done. I talked about it on the other episode of the podcast, I think, for a while. But, yeah, they just they do such a good job of laying out the, the mythology and the background story and the history for every uh, character in the world and the world building. And, God, there's, there's a thing we just finished season two and there's a, there's a story, there's a plot line that goes through the first two seasons. Um, it's built up and built up and there's, um, there's all this stuff with the, the Baudelaire orphans, you know, getting new guardians like every two episodes. And um, most of those guardians end up dying <laughs> and, um, and they just get passed on to the next. And, but then there's the whole there's the whole backstory with the like all the guardians are somehow related to this organization and they all have a history together, um, and there's a big story that I went into with Patrick Warburton's Lemony Snicket character and like a long lost love who died in the past. Anyways, they do such a good job of building up the story, and it's like piece by piece. And then in season two, towards the end of season two, at the start of this episode, you get like a great five or ten minute sequence um, that just goes into this like a flashback. Mm. And it has and it has all of the people who have appeared in the past two seasons as the guardians who are like dead or you know disappeared or whatever. And it's it just like shows their relation to one another and then um and then yeah not to spoil it but it's just like a huge it ends with a huge gut punch moment between Lemony Snicket and another character and Count Olaf um played by Neil Patrick Harris and it's just like fuck that hurt that hurt me <laughs> watching this um but yeah, such a good TV show. Yeah, it um, yeah it's I, I don't know. I love it. It's on Netflix. It's finished. It has three seasons. It's like less than 30 episodes. I don't know. I think it's like 27 maybe. Um, anyways, really good. Um, and then I... You know, I'll, I'll skip over the movies because I that would be too in depth um, for right now. But I did find I found another YouTube channel I really liked <laughs> to give a shout out to YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. um, but it's called Super Void Cinema, um, and it's 
focuses on like unmade movies, like movies that just never got made. That's cool. Uh, so there's there's like fourteen videos, I think. Um, but it's it's these like famous projects over the years that just never got made, and um, I watched, and they're like thirty to fifty minutes per video. Um, but I've watched, I think I've watched two or three so far. Um, the first one I watched was Sylvester Stallone since the 1970s has had a Edgar Allan Poe script that he wrote that he's wanted to make Whoa. a movie out of Edgar Allan Poe's life. I would love to see that. Yeah, and that'd be worth saying. It, yeah, it was like a 50-minute video that goes through the entire history of like him talking about it and him being interviewed about it over the years, like 50 years now. Um, and yeah, it just sounds so crazy and wild and he's you know aged out of it where he's like yeah i'm not gonna star in that anymore i'm if i might direct it sometime but yeah Man. um it sounds it sounds amazing uh the way he's talked about it and then the other one i watched was the uh martin scorsese frank sinatra biopic that never got made which was like a more recent one um through like the 2000s i guess uh and he was kind of eyeing leonardo dicaprio i guess for that but um never heard of him yeah but it went it went through a whole (laughs) it went through a whole thing of like talking about his history developing a dean martin movie and then all the research that they did for that kind of went into this sinatra movie that he had lined up and um yeah, it's a YouTube channel called Super Void Cinema, um, and it talks about all the, the greatest uh, movies. Ne- I think it's the greatest movies never made is the uh, series. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, yeah, I won't get into the movies I watched yet. Uh, I can save that for next week. Yeah. Um, if you guys are ready to wrap up, I'll just plug the social media oh wait does anybody have an idea yet wait i want to do i want to do rapid fire i'll do like 30 seconds on stuff i watched okay i'm gonna i was calling it out all right portrait of a lady on fire on hulu french countryside great performances uh lesbian relationship really good andre the giant documentary on hbo one of a kind person never will see again hulk hogan cries in this movie black Klansman. Spike Lee movie, Spike Lee joint, good performances, some strange narrative uh, plot holes. I'm Not Your Negro, uh, James Baldwin documentary on Amazon. It's amazing. Watch that. Okay. That was it. All right. You, are you guys up for recording some more? Um, yeah, maybe we take a break. Yeah, we can take a break and just record more. Sure, it's fine with me. Um, do you want to save... We'll run out of time. Fuck it. Whatever. Yeah. Just end this episode. Yeah. I'm just going to end this episode and then we'll... Got 30 seconds. Go. Uh, I'll shout out the... I'll plug the Instagram, which is please be excited. All one word. All together. The Twitter account is at excited pod if you want to uh, comment there. And our email is excitedpodcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for chatting, dudes. Yep. Uh, peace out till next time. Bye. Bye.